Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you've found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, Dwalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone once again to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. It's a personal journeys episode today, and I'm joined by one of my friends and colleagues here in the Charlotte community, Dr. Duke Tang, the founder of Promenade Center for Dentistry. He's gonna share some of his personal journey with you. He has created a lot of success early on uh, in, in his new venture, and I know you're gonna learn a lot from it. This is gonna be a fun interview. Be sure to brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee and get your pad and pen ready. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports, and as I teased in the introduction, I am joined by a colleague and friend of ours here in the Charlotte area, Dr. Duke Tang, who is the owner um, of the Promenade Center for Dentistry, a very successful practice that has grown by leaps and bounds. We're going to dig into all of that together today. Duke, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me aboard, uh, Aaron. Really appreciate it. You bet, Duke. It's great to finally get you on the show. I've been wanting to do this for quite some time, and uh, I really appreciate your time um, and and willingness to be on the show with me. I mean, it's we've known one another for a little while, uh, and uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the business you've created and that you continue to create, and the growth that y'all are experiencing. So let's let's start off um, by maybe letting the audience get a get a little bit more familiar with you. Um, and just your general background and maybe what got you into dentistry in the first place. Yeah, um, my sister and I are actually dentists together. We went to college. We weren't sure what we were going to do. Um, we had looked at medicine for a short time, uh, but I didn't really want to be in school for so long. And my sister was leaning towards dentistry. So she and I went to a pre-dental club and I ended up shadowing Dr. Kennedy in Chapel Hill when I was out there. And man, when I watched him work, I thought, dang, it's a great gig. Um, he had the weekends off. He had just returned from Legoland. And it just seemed like a really awesome job. So that's that's where I started. I went to dental school at Chapel Hill. Graduated in 2007. I ended up working at Lane and Associates for a few years before moving to St. Louis and working at Heartland Dental for five years and then finally made it back to Charlotte and then got my own place here at, uh, in South Charlotte here at the Promenade. Awesome. Awesome. What a what a great initial story. And it's always fun when you get to see a, a pro in action and they make it look really easy, right? I'm sure owning a business is all it's cracked up to be, right, Duke? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, um, you've got 
uh, one location uh, that is becoming a, not a, I don't want to say a mega location, but I feel like, you know, every time I talk to you, y'all are adding ops, blowing out a wall, expanding the facility. I mean, it's, it's growth on top of growth. Um, do you want to maybe take us through kind of those initial phases of what the practice was when you bought it and then kind of the, the growth trajectory that's, that uh, has been pretty remarkable in the last couple of years? You want to kind of fill us in on what that, some of that looks like? For sure. Um, I bought the practice in 2015. Um, it had been going for probably, let me think here, 2006, 2007, probably um, eight years at that point. And it had been stuck around a $425,000 a year range. It was a startup. He ended up short selling it um, to another gentleman. And that gentleman uh, owned it for two years before selling it to me. Uh, once I took over, you know, we did some changes here and there, and I think just being present helped. Uh, we grew the practice from the three chairs that it was at, you know, and then it became four chairs. Soon it became five chairs. Um, COVID hit, and then, you know, we shut down for a few weeks, came back really, really busy. Uh, and then we added our first associate in 2021, and then we expanded the facility to nine chairs in 20. 22 and then we just added our next associate this uh, earlier this year or late last year and now we're on track for three million this year wow so it's three you're on track for three million out of nine operatories is that right correct and we work 36 38 hours a week works wow. out to be yeah we use your formula that you reference a lot the collections per hour per chair i think it yep. works out to be right at 175 180 for us wow that's remarkable that's the top end of the range for the audience that that isn't uh familiar with what he what uh duke is referencing there it's the utilization rate that's measured as revenue per chair per hour and it's a it's a normative type of a metric that uh measures whether or not you're you're getting the most out of the the fixed capacity the constraints of the business and obviously for general dentistry practice the range we want our clients to be in is that 125 to 175 dollars per chair per hour and he's obviously at the the top end of that range so doing a, a lot right um and and a very uh, methodical growth trajectory that you've seen through the last couple of years um so you you're nine chairs you, you've got two associates in there uh, how much are you working clinically each week right now duke um i do three days uh, monday tuesday wednesday um tuesday and wednesday i work eight to four we work straight through lunch monday i work eight to three um also straight through lunch so i think that works out to be about 25 hours a week um, in the chair um, but although emergencies and things always kind of fill up my schedule on Thursday and Friday, my admin days. Um, <laughs> but so sometimes or most of the time you'll see one or two patients kind of scattered here and there on Thursday and Friday. But we try to keep it just Monday through Wednesday for myself. Gotcha. So you, you've sort of gone through that process of of gradually working yourself out of the chair, but still, uh, I would say, a pretty full time clinical load that you've got there, too. Um, yes. Are, are both of your associates uh, working full load as, as well? Um, so 
my full-time associate, she works four days a week, Tuesday through Friday. And I have another gentleman. He works with us three days a week, Monday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, we also have one associate or independent contractor. He comes in um, maybe once a week at the most, probably more like once or twice a month. Um, he has his own patient load. It's not a significant bump to our production, but um, my other two associates um, are almost well, girls full time and a gentleman's almost full time. He works at another office two days a week. Wow. Uh, strong, great, uh, great productivity and, and really taking full advantage of um, uh, the facility there. And having been to your office, I've seen it sort of morph a couple of times. And, and it, it's great to see. You were also mentioning before we started recording today that this this year uh, on track to hit three million. Do you want to share with the audience the, the um, uh, amount of the percentage growth over prior year? Oh yeah, so um, it's a fifty percent growth. Last year we finished out at two million, and this year we're on track for three. Um, That's fantastic, Un- yeah. unbelievable. I mean, fifty percent off of a already pretty good size number. It's not like you were starting at you know three hundred thousand dollars in revenue or something like that. I mean, that's a that's a big number, and uh, obviously your marketing focus, the ability to attract. Uh, new patients to fill that capacity. You've got the productive capacity in yourself and your your two associates and your hygienists, obviously. Um, but what do you, I mean, have you all, uh, it, it, you know, as much as you want to share, at least, what all have you done to to create that type of a volume increase? Because honestly, when people add that type of capacity, it usually takes them a lot longer of a ramp to fill it like that. I mean, y'all are doing that pretty doggone fast um yeah so um we've always focused on growing our hygiene department um, so that's where um this year we went sorry late last year we had our hygienist go to an assistant model to kind of keep up with demand so we now have our assistants or sorry our hygienists work with an assistant out of two chairs um they're essentially commissioned now. So our hygienists generate a lot of production also. Um, But our main focus has always been on driving the hygiene volume up, knowing that if our hygiene volume's up, our doctors will stay busy. So we participate with most of the insurance carriers, but not all. Um, It's just very basic things, I guess. Same thing Heartland did when I was there. So we just kind of copied them. We were insurance heavy, family heavy. and we focus on rescheduling all of our hygiene patients back, it's just kind of common sense things and just kept feeding the, you know, the beast, basically. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of kind of got the tiger by the tail. And, and uh, it's a uh, for our audience. I mean, nobody really knows uh, what Charlotte, North Carolina is all about. But y'all are in a. Uh, a really good established area of town that does has does have a a pretty healthy amount of growth going on around it. I mean, there's obviously a lot of other dental practices too. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, you're 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 executing a lot of the right way um, to be able to have that higher retention rate and that higher new patient rate to fill that type of a void. So it's it's super cool to see. Um, now, you know, as you're you know, if we think back, you know, some of the challenges that you had and in, in building the business and then finding the right associates and, and everything, 
Um, one of the uh, things we just most recently worked on together uh, was an associate equity model for your for your associate. Do you for your full time associate? I mean, do you want to maybe take our audience through the the thought process behind that and sort of what you saw relative to the opportunity in her, and then you know the bigger picture for what you're trying to achieve as the business owner there? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so I've always listened to your show and. I've listened to a lot of the main themes you've talked about, but I completely agreed with the retention of associates and attracting associates. And one of the ways we could have done that better was to have an equity program in place because I feel like I didn't want to have a revolving door of associates, um, you know, I, that just create headaches. And then I'd have to step in and work extra while I found my next associate. And I felt like, you know, I've heard that attracting associates was a difficult thing, and I felt like having an equity program in place where the new associate would would be a plus for us. Um, so when our time came to hire an associate, I wanted to be able to offer such a program. So when our newest associate joined, I know she had talked about equity earning, and she wasn't she she didn't I don't think she wanted to own outright, but she wanted to own a piece of something. And I felt like your program was perfect for it. And we together with Mark and you set goals for her, how she could earn in. Um, I thought it made perfect sense to me. It made sense. If I were an associate, that's what I would want. Um, and I think it's a very fair program. At the end of the day, she'll benefit economically as much as she would if she had tried to go out on her own with a whole lot less risk by staying here with us. Yeah, I mean, it's the nice thing for her is that, you know, you obviously you bought the business, but you had to, I don't know if turn it around is the right phrase. I mean, you had to get it on firm footing and then you had to work your tail off to like get the collection levels up and really start to create some of the successes. And she's, you know, the beneficiary of your genius, your systems and processes, your experience working with some of those other groups. Uh, and she's also the beneficiary of the, the risk that you have taken to expand the business. And I think this is a, a, a classic scenario where, you know, a, a lot of people justifiably don't, don't want to um, have an associate partner or partners prematurely because in a traditional methodology where it's just a straight buy-in for some percentage ownership in the business, you know, if the if the business is still ramping up in terms of its growth trajectory and or if the uh, founder, such as yourself, has, has taken on, you know, the burden of debt to, to expand the facility like you did to equip it and, and spend money on marketing and all that other kind of good stuff, you know, it, she would be buying into the business at a, a pretty major discount, I would say. Whereas on an earned equity model, you're both participating in the growth um, and and it works equally well for both. She gets to get in a little bit in the earlier stages when the business is maybe not at maximum value. I don't think it's undervalued right now, but I think there's still a lot of upside with it. Um, and yeah. she gets to help you create that. And if she does, she earns equity in the business and you win because it increases the value of the business and obviously it adds stability to it. So it was really just a, a classic kind of perfect case scenario. Now, now it's up to her to 
you know, prove that she can hit, exceed the goals and that she's really worthy of that partnership status. I think it's going to work out great. I really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the program. Um, it was a great concept. I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to do it. It, it adds stability to business, gives her a sense of ownership. Uh, it's, it's a really well thought out program. Uh, I'm glad we did it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's the right tool in the toolbox for you. I mean, there, you know, it goes without saying that associate turnover is the biggest challenge in, in high performing, uh, large footprint practices and certainly in all groups. And, you know, if you're, I speak to enough audiences and I know you've heard me say this on the podcast that if you're trying to build a group practice of any size, and, and you're doing it without some type of an ownership model for your associates, you're just going to be creating a revolving door. And, and you mentioned earlier, that's really bad for patient, the continuity of patient care. It's bad for the continuity of cash flow. And my gosh, as an owner, it just, it must feel like you're beating your head against the wall constantly because you're just replowing ground, you know? So I, I think if you're going to have a, a high-performing solo practice at the volume levels that you are, or as you start to add uh, additional locations and maybe the next phase of the business, you know, having that type of a, a model in place um, really will will serve everybody well, and I think you'll be the greatest beneficiary of it. So um, it's exciting to think about the way that may play out for you. For sure, for sure. Hey, it's Perrin. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more in depth about partnerships and associates, be sure to download our white paper called Creating Sustainable Success in Attracting and Retaining Associates. And if you want to learn more granular detail about buy-in and earn-in structures, as well as the legal aspects required to facilitate all of it, you should join us in Scottsdale on October 11th through 13th for our Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit, because there'll be three different presentations dealing with all of that. And you'll have access to some incredibly bright minds over those three days. I'll drop a link in the show note for both the white paper and the registration for the conference to make it easy on you. Now, back to the show. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you being, I know, I know Promenade existed before you bought it from a brand name standpoint, but I really think about the success of, of that practice really being attributed to you because I don't know that you could really even call it. It was a dental practice before, but I don't think there was a whole lot of success to it. You made a um, a great impact early on and continue to do so. When you when you kind of think back through almost a decade's worth of of ownership, you know, as the as the the owner of the business, as the CEO, as as the the sort of quasi founder, where do you think you've made the greatest impact, or or I'm sure you've made an impact everywhere, Duke, but like wh what would be some of the areas that you really focused on based on your prior experience? Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned prior, we did a lot of focus on growing our hygiene department. Um, I think uh, my wife was working at that time, so I felt like I was able to take, you know, a little more risk than than normal. So the cash flow of the business wasn't really used to support my lifestyle so i was able to use it on 
things like marketing. Um, I sat here on Mondays when the office was closed. No staff was here to answer the phones. We really hit the phones up really early on. We hired an outside service to answer phones after hours um, to help schedule new patients um, when we weren't here. I think those things probably contribute the most for for us. Um, just like I said, it's very common sense things, but we were just doing as much as we can. I think we also got lucky, as you mentioned, in the area that we are at. It's a grown area of town. Yes, there are dental practices around, but um, maybe because I was younger, I was able to embrace some of the newer ideas with uh, maybe a little more open to insurance and maybe answering the phones off hours versus letting it go to voicemail, things like that. I, I mean, I think that was probably what helped us the most. That's uh, that's really learning by doing. And I mean, I think there's a, a phase of every business that we go through. We're we're no different at Polaris where you you have to you have to do the dirty work. You have to do the grunt work. You have to get your fingernails dirty, you know, and, and really dig into the business. If you're if you're going to want to build it up um, to, to some greater degree of, of volume. I, I mean, let's maybe also think about some of the things that you, you know, that, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> I don't want to say that any failures that you had, but like setbacks or, or things that were a little bit off script or that you, you miscalculated anything like that strike your, strike your fancy or you remember. Yeah. Uh, so when we bought the practice, uh, normally there is a front office team member to help collect and transition. Um, that front office member quit a few days prior to closing. Uh, he didn't announce that we were selling, but I guess that lady has found a different job. So when I first came on board, I did not have um, a front office member. So we had to hire one kind of quickly, and that hire was not good. Um, and it, I mean, she was okay. It just wasn't a good fit for us. So we ended up, I ended up having to learn how to bill uh, things like that pretty quickly. And I, I didn't know how to bill because at Heartland and at Lane's, that was kind of taken care of. So I, you know, I called up Eaglesoft. They kind of walked me through some things. I called up Renaissance, which was our clearinghouse at that time. And they walked me through some things and I kind of piecemealed it all together. Uh, but that was probably the biggest mishap. And then, you know, that that problem kind of exacerbate through the years as we collected more. The system was leaky because I kind of piecemealed it together prior years. And then, um, yeah, we, I mean, that that was an ongoing problem for a short time, but I think we've got that under control pretty quickly after. It, it took a few years for sure. And now I feel like we're in a really good spot on billing. Yeah, yeah. So I think you said when you bought the business, was it in 2006, it was generating no. about... Or uh, what year was it? Um, I bought it in 2015, actually. Oh, 20, it was founded in 2006. You bought it in 2015. That's right. Uh, and Correct. it was generating about three to 400,000 in collections. Was that right? Four, 425 was the 420, 425. And so, you know, here we are not even a decade later and y'all are knocking on the door uh, or on a run rate at least to, to $3 million in collections. I mean, that's that's pretty sizable growth, you know? Yeah. I mean, is w when you 
if you think back to those early years when you had bought the business and you're improving it and and turning it around and really putting your stamp on things, did you think you'd be here? I mean, all of us have great aspirations, but I think you've done yeah, a, a, yeah. an unbelievable job of of generating that. Yeah, no, I, I did not think I was going to be here. Um, the goal just kept getting bigger every year. I do remember one of my first few days sitting at the office with Dr. Rocco and I was like, what do you think the potential is here? And he was like, you know, I think if you start doing more of the the root canals, maybe you can get up to $600,000 here or maybe you can cut one of the days down. (laughs) It kind of, kind of cut the overhead a little bit. I said, no, I'd be okay with 600,000. And then, so that was the goal for a little while. And then um, the million became the goal million two. And then I was like, we were, you know, it keeps growing every year. You can see what's possible, especially with social media now. You kind of see these big numbers, and when you see them, you're like, well, if they can do it, we can do it too. So, I mean, that's – but no, I never imagined that I would be – the vision was never to have multiple associates. I I thought I was going to be working by myself, you know, with two assistants, two hygienists out of four or five chairs for the rest of my life, and then things just sort of changed. Wow, that's fantastic. But I mean, it's, it's good that you you created the opportunity for that success to come in. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, sometimes it, it's just being, you know, the groundhog that keeps plowing away every year. And then you wake up and all of a sudden, like they say, overnight success typically takes 10 years. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a great, great story. And like I say, we're we're big fans. How do you you know, how do you feel about where you are right now being the business owner, the success you've created? What's the outlook for maybe the next five to 10 years, Duke? Yeah, um, I feel really good where we are. I feel very confident in our continued growth. Um, the next five, 10 years, I'm hoping to expand again. Um, when, when we expanded the first time, we kind of saved. There's still some space next door that we could add, probably another five or six ops. But I'm also now open to potentially picking up a second location or or where the future brings as I cut back my clinical days and hours. Um, just to kind of give me some of that flexibility, but hopefully we keep keep growing um, and and growing and make it into a, a large multi people practice. And, um, but that's where um where I think the future will bring us. Fantastic. What uh for for those in the audience that may be earlier on in their journey, um, just starting out or contemplating, you know, where their business is and how to how to get it to turn the corner and take it to the next level. You know, any when you think back about all of this experience and and everything that you've created, is there any uh, advice you want to share? Like if you were if you were talking to yourself a decade ago, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. Um... You know, I was um, at the beginning, you know, when you're first starting out, I was shy about, you know, hiring consultants into the practice to get to give me an outside look to see how we were doing what we need to do. We ended up did hiring consultants to help me grow, help us grow. And I think that's something I would I would be more open to earlier on in the stages. And definitely now I'm very open to it. Obviously, I brought you guys in. Um, I have, you know, I try to make sure I get good legal advice, good CPAs, things like that. I, my advice would be to kind of surround yourself with good people to help you grow. And then that way you can focus on, you know, what you do best, you know, in the, the actual dental practice. Yeah. I, I mean, to hammer that point home and I, I 
try to say this in in no self-aggrandizing way. I mean, I think, you know, the 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 profession that you're in now is not what dentistry was uh, 20 or 30 years ago, based around the complexity of being a small business owner. And, you know, I think there there's so many outside forces that impact the business that you have built and the business that you are building that working with people um, who are also uh, experienced professionals that give you, that challenge your assumptions, that accelerate your learning curve, that minimize the the risk of stepping on a landmine. I mean, the, the thing, it's almost not about the money, you know, like you, you've got a long career ahead of you. You've got plenty of time to make back any amount of money that you might lose on a, on a mistake candidly, but you can't make up for the lost time and the hassle and the headache of it, you oh, know? Sure. And, and I think that's the the real thing. I mean, business moves so quickly right now, and and the world of dentistry is. Um, I used to say it. You know, when I first started in the uh, distribution space back in the mid '90s, God forbid, um, it was a it was a, dentistry was an evolutionary type of a um, profession. Now I think it's more of a revolutionary type of an industry. And I think with that sort of speed and complexity comes the necessity to work with trusted advisors at at multiple different levels and at different stages of your growth as a business owner and the business's growth too. I think that's a, a very well uh well put point by you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Well, Duke, this has been great. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, obviously I appreciate your trust in us to provide a solution, uh, for your, your business. And I really appreciate you, uh, taking the time to share some of your wisdom and your journey with our, our audience. Uh, any, any other like parting words or parting thoughts that you might like to share before we wrap it up? Um, no, I think, um, you guys have been great with helping us, um, growth in the next level and obviously i'd recommend your services to anybody and the last thing is i love your book recommendations i've read them all almost <laughs> all of them um, my favorite was uh who not how by ben hardy and sullivan yep um, dan sullivan a, an amazing wow. book um i feel like that's anybody can benefit from that book and then i'm reading um the last days of nights right now about uh I guess historical fiction about Tesla and I, uh, Edison. Edison, Tesla, and Westinghouse. Um, yes, it is. Um, those are those are two great books. Uh, one being more business application, who not how, and then one um, being it, it's historical fiction. I think is the name of the genre. Um, but I didn't know a lot about um, that. I guess, era um, of the United States. And wow, it's enlightening and it's a page turner, isn't it? It is. It's a wonderful book. I I didn't think I would like it, but since you had recommended it, I didn't try it out and say it's great. <laughs> I I only recommend the ones that I truly uh, enjoy and like. I mean, some people think that I recommend every book that I read, and I will tell you that is not the case. <laughs> so, okay. um, it, it, and between coffee and books to read, you know, maybe I'll some uh, maybe maybe someday I'll create a podcast that actually talks about group dental stuff and in, in between. But um, <laughs> those are those are yeah. two passions of mine, and I'm I'm glad that you uh, you enjoy it. And thank thank you for the kind words that you said on our behalf. 
staff. I mean, that not necessary, but I truly appreciate it. We value it. And, and like I say, we, we love getting to work uh, with clients such as yourself that are creating great businesses. They're doing it the right way um, and are really creating a lot of success for themselves. I mean, I, I like to think that the good guys win in the end, as I like to say. Um, and yeah. you are certainly one of those and, and we're big fans. So thank you uh, so much for, for joining me on the show today. It's been a real pleasure, Duke. Thank you, Karen. You bet. You bet. And I look forward to seeing you on the bicycle maybe sometime soon, too. That was the, the way that Duke and I originally got to know one another was on a group uh, group ride way back in the day. Um, but it I, was. I think that was also either before we had kids or it was right after our first one, maybe. Um, but um, that was a different time of life, right? <laughs> it was. It was. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much, my friend, for being on the show today. I know our audience is better for it uh, and for your time and will benefit from your wisdom. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Well, that was a lot of fun, and I hope all of you uh, gleaned some pearls of wisdom from Dr. Duke Tang um, and and could hopefully even relate on a personal level to the journey that he's been on. Obviously, a super good guy um, and, and somebody I've known for a while personally, but I'm really thrilled at the level of success that he's creating in that practice, and I have a feeling that that practice won't be his last practice, too. So really, uh, really good to see from um, the outside looking in, uh, and I appreciate him being on the show with us today. In light of the fact that he mentioned uh, book reviews, I'm going to give you one before we close up and an additional thought thereafter. Um, I recently read a book um, called Grit, G-R-I-T, by Angela Duckworth. This book came out probably about six or seven years ago, I think. I'm not sure when it was published. It's not a it's not a recent uh, book. You probably heard of it. She's had a TED talk around it and a, and, uh, a variety of other things. Um, and it's a it's a book that was fascinating to me um, because I some of you know I was a, a competitive tennis player growing up and I'm an amateur cyclist right now. I don't know that I'm any good at either one of them, um, but they all too often can be solo pursuits, you know. Uh, and the book Grit is is about how people um, embrace. Uh, the the struggle to learn something, to do something, to achieve something that takes a longer period of time. Uh, the old adage when I was growing up was a, a made up word called stick-to-itiveness, whatever the heck that is, right? Um, but she refers to it as grit. So why do people um, persevere at West Point or uh, in the Navy SEALs versus those that wash out when they have all the same capabilities, you know, physical and mental and, and everything else. What is what is this thing that makes people stick with something and grind it out over a long period of time to ultimately create success? Uh, and, and she refers to that as grit, which is the title of the book. This is a fascinating book to read. I had heard about it multiple times, but I never picked up a copy. Uh, and as soon as I started reading it, I kind of found myself in in some of those pages. And the reason that I wanted to share it with so many of you is because the vast majority of the people that are in this audience 
are those entrepreneurs who are building business owners who are getting their hands dirty. I referenced that in the interview with Duke and and really, you know, doing the work, um, grinding away on it. Uh, and it's it's challenging. It's hard. It's uh, there. There are arguably more difficult days than there are easy days. And uh, it's really easy to quit or want to throw in the towel and and say I'm I'm kind of done with it. Um, and that's no different for us at Polaris. Candidly, I mean, ours is a challenging business to to grow and scale too. Just because we give guidance to group dental practice owners or, or group healthcare practice owners doesn't mean that it's any easier when we supposedly know what we're doing. It's not. This is a a challenging endeavor for all of us. And and I think that a book like this kind of brings to light a lot of the challenges that you're going through and gives you a lot of context around what success looks like when you're in the thick of it. And I really enjoyed it. I, I found it was a, a great read and one that I would highly recommend. So Grit by Angela Duckworth will hopefully be one that Duke will put on uh, his reading list. And, and obviously you should put it on yours too. Um, one other concluding thought I wanted to share before we wrap up today's episode is a- around uh, the concept of associate equity. Y'all hear us talk about it a lot. Um, we've spoken about it in many stages, uh, webinars, and and whatever else. And as I mentioned with Duke, I, I I really do, I really do believe that if you're building a larger uh, single location practice and or a multi location group and you're intending to do it without some type of an ownership track for your for your high performing associates um you are uh i think you're creating a a much steeper hill than what you need to in terms of the mountain you're trying to climb um and and one that's only going to frustrate you for a longer period of time it is okay to bring into the ownership structure of the business high performing people people who merit it I'm not for allowing everyone to be an owner and making it easy for them to do so. Quite the contrary. Ownership is either bought or it's earned. And if it's earned, it's earned through a high level of success and a lot of hard work. So this is not share and share alike. I'm not a communist at heart in, in, or a socialist for that matter. Most of you probably already knew that. But I think if you are contemplating um, the next phase of growth for your business, or if your business is already at multiple locations and and you have multiple associates who are not presently owners, you need to go through a process to figure out the strategy to solve for that. It's not a matter of if, but when they end up leaving for their for ownership somewhere else or to start their own gig. And you can you can preempt all of that. So. I would encourage you, this is also a good time of year to be thinking about it. And and the reasons for that are as follows. Most people run these uh, earned equity programs according to calendar year. um, And it takes us about 90 to 120 days to to build the model, to work with the um, attorney, to draft all the legal documents, to do the presentation for your associates and and really get, get the thing kicked off. And here we are coming out of July 4th. So if it's 90 to 120 days, you're talking about probably launching the program or making the associates aware of the program sometime around October, November, best case scenario, and and having it be live and in effect on January 1st. So think about that. If you don't have an equity solution in place uh, for your high-performing associates, um, it is definitely the time to consider that. 
Uh, and now is the right time of year to do it as well. Uh, and all that kind of lines up for a, a nice kickoff to 2024 if you want it to be. So some additional food for thought for those of you who are contemplating it, um, but your timing may actually be good. Once again, I really want to thank Duke Tang for, for uh, joining me on the show today founder of Promenade Center for Dentistry and all-around great guy. I want to thank all of you for being in the audience, being listeners and subscribers. And I really appreciate it when you share our show with so many friends. Um, I can see the downloads uh, going up every month. I can also see random 100-unit downloads happening on like uh, a Sunday for some reason. And that's usually because uh, one of you turned one of your colleagues onto our show and they liked what they heard and they went back and binge downloaded everything we've had in our history. So I appreciate all of you doing that. That's the way we grow our audience. That's the way we grow our business. Every bit the same is the way that you love it when one of your patients refers one of their friends into your practice. Uh, it means the world to us. We're grateful for it. Um, we're certainly grateful for having you in the audience. We'll see you on the next episode.